Hey now, say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. D-Boy is back here today. What's going on, D-Boy? I'm chilling, man. I went golfing yesterday. I got allergies. <laughs> you went golfing? Yeah, I went That's golfing. That's what you're doing during these times right now. That's how you practice your social, social distancing. distancing. Yeah, I had uh, I shot 10 over par. 10 over par, which uh, on a nine-hole course is not good, but for me, that was good. <laughs> I parred the second uh, hole of par three, and... Um, yeah, other than the allergies getting to me, I shot well, in my opinion. That's what I like Couple to hear. Couple bogeys, okay. and you feel All right, me? all right. Couple so, holes got away from so, me. So you waiting for the times when everybody's back outside and really back golfing again so you can show yourself a little bit. Oh, huh? I'm, I'm planning on betting on myself by, uh, <laughs> by the summer. I'm planning on hustling somebody. Oh, you can't beat me, Cuddy. I'm D-Boy Woods. Yeah. All right, all right. D-Boy Woods. I like it, I like it. Tiger Hoods, however you want to call it, go Man, for it. I, I've been getting better though. My chipping game is a little better. I made some key putts. I gotta get this drive right though. It's it keeps slicing to the right, so uh-huh. I gotta get that straight, and then I think I'll be for the taking. All right, there you go, there you go. Well, as far as me, I I can't complain. Uh, well, I guess not literally. I can't complain, but I say that from more of a figurative standpoint. Uh, don't think that I might not complain about a thing or two in this podcast here today. That's not what I'm saying uh, in regards to my takes in particular. But ultimately, I'm talking about in these times figuratively. I can't complain because um, I'm just trying to use these times to my advantage, kind of reinvent myself, rebrand myself, um, try new things that I've always had an interest in and never tried before. Even like with my job at Street Roots, which is my legit day job, right? Um, I've been the vendor program manager there for a little over a year now. And that was what I spent my 40 hours a week doing was managing the vendor program five days a week, eight hour days. Um, But now that we're in these times and we don't really have uh, vendors coming in and out of the office anymore, we can't have vendors coming in out of the office anymore, Um, even though we're still doing some essential work there. I don't spend as much time in the vendor office and kind of dealing with vendor issues as much as I would in a day to day where people can come in as they please. Um, So I'm more so like doing 20 hours managing the vendor program and I'm Mm -hmm. spending my other 20 hours uh, doing more editorial type work. Yesterday I wrote a piece um, about a wedding that two of our vendors had. Uh, They had, they got married at our office and it's been really cool circulating really well on the internet. So just go check out my Twitter if you want to see more or read more into that entire thing. And even in my article, um, we have hyperlinked in there the live video of the wedding as well. Um, I've started the Street Roots podcast. We got a new episode out today. Um, so go and check that out Check that out as well. You can go check out my Twitter for that. Um, like I said, just really, I, I've been doing these Instagram lives that have been going Cracking. crazy. <laughs> like, Cracking. like, I was DJing th- four to five times a month before we went into quarantine and I can't do that no more. So I'm like, well, how do I still get to entertain the people because I enjoy doing such thing and make it happen during these times while we're in social distancing and have all these rules and regulations that we have to abide by. So I've been trying to even get better and better with that and 
trying to improve every time that I go live on the quality of my production, on having my production differ from other DJs that are just going up on live. Like I've been really working on Your these aesthetics types of been things. on point. They've been real good, yeah. man. They've been real good. <laughs> They've been really good. They've been really good. And people are really enjoying it and giving a lot of good feedback. So um just yeah, like I said, reinventing myself during these times while I can because usually I don't have the time to reinvent myself. I'm always working. Mm-hmm. Like people mm-hmm. don't really understand for people who really work and really grind, especially in the way that I do. I'm always working, man. Like I'm going from street roots to doing a podcast to DJing at a, a, a gym or DJing at a nightclub or DJing at the bar. It's just always something going on. So right now, while I can just sit or commentating a basketball game for crying out loud, because we all know that I do that. Um, so right now, just kind of being able to sit back and navigate through all of that work, which I think is great work, and try to piece it to together, piece it together in the way that I envision it. Um, that takes time. So I've been using these times to do that. So like I said, figuratively, I can't complain, but uh, that won't mean that I'm not going to have a complaint or two here today on this podcast. Um, but let's get into some content, man. You've been having some recent success digitally as well, TikTok. Um, <laughs> has been really your friend these days. Tell us about yeah, this whole TikTok thing and how you're having success with this app that the kids use rather than us. <laughs> yeah, facts. So I mean, with TikTok, I, with TikTok, I never thought that I was even going really ever get it. I said, I'm not signing up for TikTok. You're not gonna see me dancing and messing around and doing all these different little challenges that we see online. And so I never got TikTok. And then it just so happened that. I was bored. We're quarantined right now. And I Google searched myself. D-Boy LTD, which I don't do pretty often. It's just the same stuff that comes up shows and ticket sales. I would hope nobody does it too often, everybody's done it before. Right, right. (laughs) You you like to see what kind of content is covered. And I have found myself in articles and different things in places that I didn't know exist. So, you know, every six months or so, I think it's important to do. And no better time than now. I did it. Yeah. And I seen... 100 videos pop up on TikTok. And I said, 100 videos on TikTok under <laughs> that my name that have. I have. Yeah, that <laughs> you I don't, don't even, even have, have. A, an account. And so the first video I click, it has 27,000 likes on it. And I'm like, what? Like, I, I don't even fully understand TikTok other than the dances. So I see that the song that I made for Dutch Bros, which we spoke of before, and that being one of my first placements, well, actually, my first placement with the company, I did a Dutch Bros song and it placed in all of this, in all of their stores and stands. And from there, it just kind of took off. It's one of my highest stream songs, period. And, uh, I went and looked at all of these hundred different videos, yeah. and it's literally the song getting played. For people making drinks to the song, specialty wow. drinks, uh, off secret menu drinks to um, people doing full on cadences and dances to the actual lyrics with the holding the money and the ice on the wrist like a cold brew and just a lot of lyric references. And so I was surprised. Real choreography. With yeah, the real, exactly. <laughs> and so I was fairly surprised for one because I don't have a TikTok and I've never even communicated or entertained it with anybody so the fact to see once again that this whole lane i guess that i took from making a blazer song to making you know the dutch Bros song it really you know keeps the ball rolling and it helps keep you kind of relevant even 
in areas where you're not necessarily promoting or pushing. So, I mean, for one, shout out to everybody who's made a video to that because yeah. it was super entertaining. If you could imagine and be caught by surprise, a hundred videos. Yeah, that's crazy. That's compilations a lot of, of your stuff. That's you a lot of so, videos. Yeah, and a lot of people did some really good numbers. So, like I said, I tried to, I set it up that day because of that. I did two little week videos so far, but some just to have some content up there and for people to know that I am the creator of those songs. And then, uh, yeah, from there, I'm going to get more active on it just in my own way, figure out how it'll work for me continuously and try to build on that number. See, that's that's that thing, man. When we get older and we try to act like we outage certain things and the kids are making them trendy and you don't even know mm -hmm. the impact that you're having and mm -hmm. how much your music is circulating mm -hmm. yeah. amongst those kids. Right, right, like, right. Because a lot of them I noticed was uh, during the top of the year, which goes to show me that at that time, I could have did some kind of Dutch Bros challenge or yep. something that would have took that hundred to two fifty or three hundred. It just you and it's still viral. right, <laughs> and it's still not too late because Dutch Bros is so big. But once again, just that already kind of platform with no push. Now it has my wheels turning as to what could we create of this thing. You know what I right. mean? Moving forward, because it's it's not too late. TikTok is still very relevant. I think at its peak right now. So what do you think about like artists that are making TikTok music? I guess we could start at the very top of the Drake, game. With, the with Drake, slide. he made that Tussie Slide record. Uh, I've been seeing it get a lot of criticism because it's a TikTok record and people think he has outaged that particular uh, uh, era of 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 people that are just TikTok users, essentially. Um, um, and he makes very quality music, and Drake is not really the trendy guy. He kind of creates the wave rather than rides the wave. What do you think about Like that? I always tell you, I think me being an artist, I understand the fact that you got to kind of cover all bases. And Drake has given us a little bit of everything, if we just being honest. He yeah. even gave us some hard records. You know, not saying that he's hard. I'm saying he didn't gave us some, yeah, some, some, some records. Some you feel records, me? Right. He didn't gave us... You know, the 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 dancey, you know, the poppy, all of that kind of stuff. He didn't gave all them different the kind Afro of vibes and genre. That, exactly. That and that's what I meant by the yeah. yeah, it's just a lot of different he didn't did drill beats, like he didn't did a lot of stuff. So RG. I just think that he's so much of a public figure in music and so much of a real icon, like even in his voice. You know a Drake flow. You know yeah. his voice is just inevitable. So I think with that being said, um, I mean, it, it kind of fit his wave. When we, we talking about he didn't make God's plan, he made the other song he was dancing. Like, this ain't really yeah. outside of the norm for Drake in the realm of all the different kind of music do you he think does. It's, do you think it's outside of the norm from a standpoint of you could tell Drake made this record for TikTok? Cool. But that's what I'm saying. No, that's, that's cool yeah. because Drake... Because the other records, because it, it might look, not have necessarily. Drake fan base is from five years old to fifty. Yeah. So what I say by that, he's he could fit. He has the like. Why not? This is what people doing right now. I yeah. could fit this. It's like that's like saying, oh, LeBron James is too old to be doing a TikTok dance to everything that come out, yeah. and he's doing it. He is, so yeah. it's like you you got some of the greatest in there. I'm seeing J Lo and A Rod doing TikToks every day now, like. People are I'm actively, doing them now. <laughs> you feel me? So it's like people are actively participating in this on all levels, from kids to grown ass adults so to post career. So why not make right? something for it in the realm of everything else? Because he can give us something in two more weeks on a whole completely different wave, and it's gonna get jumped on too. 
So it's like, I think he's fitting that. It's quarantine music right now. You know what I mean? And it's like, once again, if you try to reference it on a personal level, it's like saying that I'm corny for making a Dutch bro song. It's just a lane that I see that has created and worked. And I know the root of why I made the song. Yeah. You know what I mean? I had such a... I was I had an in at Dutch Bros. I had people who went to college with me that worked there. I had the song spreading as the company evolved. That's what they were already playing in stands. In that time frame, things translated to playlists and companies getting playlists for their music. You know what I mean? Right. So I was kind of ahead of the curve with that. And it was something that I executed and it worked. But who would have ever thought that one of my biggest stream songs would be about coffee, a coffee company. Right, 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 right. You know what I mean? Yeah. In my own creative way. So once again, moving to Portland, I explained that on another podcast with Clutch Time Hoops in this past week, how, you know, that's just another lane. I, I could feed you the pop and the soul and the, you know, the dope rap and the bars. But in the realm of that, I'm going to give you this Blazer song. I'm going to give you this Dutch Bro song because why not? It fits a criteria. It fits a mold. Why box yourself in? There you go. You I like me? it. I like it. D-Boy coming in hot today, ladies and gentlemen, Facts. giving us the music takes. And I like to have you here when what we do discuss music. What you think, though, about you? Because I feel like you was going to take that. It was kind of corny for him to come with that record. No, I don't think it was corny for him to, come, right. to right. come with that record. I just think more so um, I could see kind of both sides of it. But I've always been somebody that likes people to, like you said, go out the box. I like people to kind of touch different areas, whatever areas they can. I mean, look at the work I do. I'm working in politics. I work in media advocacy. I'm, I'm DJing. DJing. I'm just, I'm in the music industry. I'm commentating basketball games. I'm in the sports industry. So I say all that to say is I like people that can reach many as many places as they can. And like you said, wear many hats. So I don't think I could really say anything bad about Drake doing that. I can say I don't like the record. Yeah, I don't think it's one of his strongest. I don't records. like the record. I don't think it's one of his strongest. Yeah, yeah, it's, I, and, I, I can and, agree with that. And, and that's where you get into the conversations. And when you look at Drake and you look at him as a goat, mm. somebody that's into the actual music could have something to say about that because. At the end of the day, you do have the trendier people out there that will perceive Drake in a certain type of a way because he made the TikTok record. I look at Drake from more of a musician and an artist type of a standpoint. And when I get a new record from Drake, I want it to be quality as heck because I want Drake to try and top his last record, which he's done time and again over his career. And that's why I say he could afford so to he can do afford, one. Yeah, to, he could definitely yeah, afford but, to do but it. In but in two weeks, he might do I, what you just said. It, so exactly. you can't be too greedy because he didn't gave us hit after hit. He gave us hit after hit, so I get what he's done, (laughs) but as far as me personally and where I stand on Drake as an artist and where kind of my emphasis is on Drake as an artist, I want the best music you can give me, Drake, because I'm comparing you to the greats now. I'm putting you in that GOAT conversation now, so when you do something like this, I understand from more of a business Does it take away from you? Does it take away? Not not at all. Not at all. But the record's just not not a record that I would listen to. Okay. That's all it is, but yeah, no, taking away from his greatness, absolutely not, but as far as me, whenever Drake releases, I want the best quality music, because I look to Drake for the best quality music, that's all. And it's crazy, bro, this is the first thing, I, I don't know, I feel a little overwhelmed about TikTok, I didn't try to navigate it a few times, it's like, it ain't coming to me as easy as other stuff. <laughs> I'm starting to get worried. <laughs> Am I getting too... No, I'm yeah, it's all me? good. But yeah, there we go. Allergy season, baby. Mm-hmm. But no, I get it. I get it. Like, 
I haven't really went all in on it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got my young sister-in-law who's really kind of helped me with it. And the only TikToks I've ever done have been with her. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like, I don't really know how to navigate through you, it. Man. I don't have an account yet. Yeah. I've only it done TikTok videos on her account. So I got to get good at it, bro. I got to get yeah. good at it. Yeah, you get good at remain, it. It remains true to me. Because yeah. I'm not, I told yeah. you, I'm not going to get caught up in the... Funny stuff. Yeah, I've just seen people switching clothes and all. You, we don't gotta get into yeah, it. But nah, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. that's yeah. To each their own mm-hmm. on that one. But yeah. uh, let's transition into some into some sports talk though. Um, last week the, on on the last episode, I recorded it the night before the commitment was made. But um, I talked about Holland Woods and I didn't release it until after the commitment was made. So when we discussed Holland Woods, who is the now former Portland State star point guard who has transferred to Arizona State University. I recorded it, and the very next day he made his commitment. And then the day after that, I believe, was when I released the podcast episode. So I didn't get to discuss his actual decision. Um, I certainly brought up the fact that I thought he was going to go to Arizona State um, is he from Arizona? He's from Phoenix. All right, I heard somebody say coming home, so I figured that. Yeah, was yeah, huge. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I I discussed that a bit here on the podcast last week. That uh, you know, selfishly, I wanted him to come back to Portland State because I highly enjoyed covering the dude and commentating his games because he is a high level basketball player, one that I've always thought could be a pro. Um, so selfishly, I wanted him to come back to Portland State for that last year. Um, but I can't say that I disagree with his decision to go back home either. I mean, straight up, just um, obviously, as you mentioned, his homecoming. Um, and one thing that I also mentioned was COVID-19 was probably the worst possible thing that could have happened for Portland State to be able to get Holland back um, just because that team wasn't able to reach its maximum potential, which would have they could have made some noise. They could have made some noise, which would have gave them a newfound perception, which also gives him a newfound perception and a in bigger regards platform, to more a looks. bigger platform, more looks in regards to what his ultimate dream is, and that's to go to the NBA. Um, but also just the flat out uncertainty of what this next year is going to look like because he is an undergrad still. He's not a grad grad transfer. So as it stands, he's going to have to take a year off before being able to play again. But what better year in the history of sports to get off than 2020 with the COVID-19 pandemic leaving so much uncertainty to society right now. It looks and, like a good shot to me. I mean, I it mean, like a good shot you're, you're me. going into your senior year. You know that your, your, your dreams and your goals is to play in the NBA. You're a smaller guard, but you do have NBA talent and you know that you need a little bit more name recognition and you have a few more things to work on because you're not a particular lock to go to the NBA, but you're skilled enough to play at that level and you're shooting right. for it. And I'm going to be honest, like I said, it, it, it makes sense. It's a good decision great decision in my opinion but he was big time tv here locally as far as i'm concerned and what i mean by that is like you know obviously you commentated the games and i start coming and supporting the team but I came knowing I'm finna go watch Boo Boo put on the show. Yeah. I knew I yeah. was gonna see a performance, even on Every a bad day. day. Yeah. <laughs> it was gonna be something to see. You feel right. me? As far as how he got down on the court. So with that being said, like you said, selfishly, 
I hate that that's not going to be accessible because I was a big part of why I was going to them games. Yeah. I knew he was going to put on the show, bro. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I'm glad he is going somewhere, like he says, back home. Um, bigger platform, just obviously. It's Pac-12. Yeah. Pac-12. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> it's Pac-12. He, he in it. You feel it's me? And I think, I think with his stature and his knowledge of the game and where he's at right now, I think one year off, I think he's going to be close to the game. I think his work ethic is there. I think it's going to do nothing but benefit him to make an even bigger impact when he does get to lace it up Absolutely. in the burgundy uh Sun Devil's gear. Absolutely. So that's what my, what my thing is. Absolutely. And he does have some things he needs to work on. Like, right. I've always said, I think he's got a next level handle. I think he's got next level passing ability. I have seen him get stronger as the years have progressed. So I know that, you know, he's he's growing into his body fully and he's 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 going to continue to become a stronger player. Yeah, and they're going to um, have him lifting this whole gonna, off time. Absolutely. But... You know, his jump shopper, jumper. his jump shot has to be a bit more consistent. Yep. He can shoot. That's not saying no, he's he, a bad he, shooter. He can shoot. On a great night, shoot. I watch him not yeah, miss. he'll light you but, up, yeah. and, he'll, and he'll start but shooting he from deeper and deeper. if he becomes a perennial three-point threat just all day, Well, well, over. Well, the thing is, is it's, it's not even just even that it's shots. over, but the thing is, he isn't the biggest dude, and right. he won't be a big guard. So with that being said, he doesn't want to have to rely on – his handle, breaking guys down, getting into the yeah, lane, a lot of and beat creating. Up. A lot of beat it's up. a lot of beating. And I watched him get beat yeah. up time and again this season, which even more so gives a little bit of reason of as why he would leave, and he really does need and that year off. And a little credit off. to him, too, because he thrived even in that. He's a tough I, like dude. I said, I, it's not dude. too many games I've seen him where he wasn't hurt, and he He's played through it and still uh, was the best player on the court. And, and what a lot of hurt. people fail to realize is, at full strength, he was the best player on Portland State's basketball team. But for majority of this season, Portland State was not at, at full strength. You had Sal Nuhu, who ended up being an all-conference player who missed several games this year. You had Matt Hauser, who was the second leading scorer on the team and, and also could kind of play that role of floor general that was able to take the load off of Boo Boo when need be that missed several games this year. Uh, you, 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 just, you had guys miss some games. And so with that being said, those are two key players, guys that you really need. An all-conference player, you're your second leading scorer and although Matt Hauser was a starting two guard he also was pretty much Boo Boo's backup as a point guard mm -hmm. they both played a lot of minutes and so basically your backup as well missing a good portion of the season um that that really is allowing teams to key in on you even more and try to wear you down even more to de to defeat your team because without Boo Boo on the floor with all of those guys injured this the sink sh uh, it should I mean the ship sinks mm -hmm. for Portland State Fact. so knowing that he played every single game this year he got beat the hell up this year several of the better players on his team missed several games this year so his load was even heavier than it probably would have been had the team been healthy for a majority portion of the season the dude's body could use a year off before playing at a high level pack 12 he'd be, school he'd be perfectly ready and then trying to play ready. in the league after that where there's so gonna be that, will he have one guys. more year to play He'll get a year off, and he's got one more year of eligibility okay, to play. that's what I thought. So, so I totally understand, you know, in regards to his body. The dude took a beating this year. He did thrive through that beating, but nonetheless, he took a beating. And during times where he probably should have came out the game, he didn't because there were other guys that were already sitting on that team that 
if you add boo-boo to that list of guys that are sitting, the sink just completely, I mean, the ship just completely sinks there. Um, and then, you know, also, I had the pleasure of meeting boo-boo's mother this year. Um, she obviously lives in Arizona in his hometown. And some of you, if you follow boo-boo, uh, you can check out his his Instagram page. There was a video that he had dedicated to his mother. And basically, his mother doesn't really come to see him play a lot at Portland State, but she certainly watches him every night on Pluto television. So his mother came down for a Portland State game. They had a camera guy who kind of shot a video of her speaking, talking about how she was out to dinner with some of her friends and one of her friends had a lot of airline points and basically asked her like, man, why haven't you gone to see your son play this year? And so the friend allowed her to use the airline points to be able to fly out and come watch Boo Boo play on this particular night. I think it was the Montana State game. Mm -hmm. And so she came down, they shot the video of that, her talking, her cheering in the stands, some of his highlights, et cetera, et cetera. But that particular night, at halftime of that game, she came down to the scores table. And she came down to the scores table to talk to me because she watches majority of his games on Pluto TV. So she always hears me calling the games. Mm -hmm. So she came down to introduce herself. And it, it was a real fun, lighthearted conversation. But one thing that I didn't put together, which I don't really think they correlate, but just in regards to how good it probably feels for him and his entire family for him to go back home. That same night, Arizona State played against the Ducks, and they had beaten the Ducks. And we all know the Ducks have had mad success. Peyton Pritchard is a beast, Pac-12 mm -hmm. MVP. The Ducks are the real deal on the basketball front. And she was super excited about Arizona State beating the Ducks. So that just led into us having a Pac-12 conversation. And I told her how my allegiance is more so to Cal Berkeley because I was born in Berkeley. And that was just a general conversation that we had. But now thinking back on that conversation, seeing him now transfer to Arizona State, I know it means a lot to him. I know it means yeah, a lot to his family because yeah. they were already prideful of the Sun Devils before – him making the decision to transfer away from Portland State. so yeah. And we had a friend like, go, go pro from Arizona State, too, who seemed to have a damn good time and career there with Rashad Ross. Absolutely. You know absolutely. what I mean? It was it's NFL, but he, yeah, it seemed like a great spot. I mean, spot. no, James Harden went to yeah. Arizona State. Like, yeah. hey, you can go there. Yeah, you, you can, can go, go. Yeah, <laughs> from yeah, Arizona State for yeah, sure. Yeah. And that's not to say you can't go from Portland State, but obviously the platform is bigger at Arizona State. It's a Pac-12 school. So just like I said, even thinking back to that conversation I had with his mother and how – into Arizona State she was while we were watching her son play at Portland State, I think it's really more of a feel-good story yeah, good decision. Than, a, than, good decision. A, than a negative story. Look forward to seeing how it pan out for him. I do. I do. I certainly do. Um, let's see. Next up, let's talk about Christian McCaffrey. Highest-paid running back in the NFL. He also happens to be white. I never probably thought that I would see the day where a white guy would be the highest paid running back in the NFL. Um, and I know if there's any podcast that you all know you can come to to listen about racial equity in sports, it's this very podcast. Um, so, D-Boy, I just want to first off hear what your take is on, on Christian McCaffrey's new deal. And then I'll dig a little bit deeper into what my take is on it. I'm going to go different. I'm going to go probably surprising in what you would expect me to say with this. With the with the Christian McCaffrey situation, I honestly think it's just about timing. I don't look at it so much as 
you know, the small percentage of him being a white running back. The and, fact that running backs yeah. have lost value and, and yeah. really struggle to get paid in the NFL, that has to be taken into account, too. Yeah, I, I mean, I just, I don't see it. Like, I, I think it's just, it's a timing thing. If they had the money available, he is one of the best running backs, if not the best, in the league right now. Outside of who? Todd Gurley and that who's talk. That, who's no who's longer in that conversation. Exactly. And, and uh, so, Ezekiel Elliott, Ezekiel, who's still who's, who struggled, who has struggled. And that's what I'm saying. Like, to, if, well, if no, when I say struggled, I'm not saying struggled on the field, but struggled to get the paid. contract. I know what you say, struggled to get paid. To get paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he had yeah. a battle. And I mean, I think Todd Gurley had a battle too. Yeah, we remember I, the complaints Todd Gurley had. Yeah. I think it's just Le'Veon Bell had a battle too. I think it's just due to where you at. I think Christian McCaffrey is a franchise player, and if a franchise had it to give. That's what they're going to give. That's where I disagree with you. Talk to me. I will first start off by saying I do think Christian McCaffrey is worth the money that he receives. So so let me flip it real quick before you go. So I'm going to take it to another sport, but do you remember CC Sabathia being the highest paid MLB player? Yeah. And that's not a black is not predominantly what you get in the baseball as far as pitcher, right? Absolutely. And he CC Sabathia, although we know he was dominant, Cy Young winner, lengthy career, the whole nine. He was probably not the best pitcher in the league that year. Okay. But the Yankees and where he was at at that time, it, it allowed for him to to do that. And I think it's the same situation. With I, Christian I don't McCaffrey. think it's the same situation. I think it's just similar because it, I. It, I, I, I the reason you I see the correlation with, what I'm saying I see though, what, as far as I see what you're trying to you correlate, see. but it but if I had to play devil's advocate to, Talk to that, to me. you have to also look at who runs these particular leagues. Because like I said, I'm a guy who has actually gotten to work in a lot of fields where a lot of people that fit my demographic don't necessarily get the opportunity to sit at. I sit at scores tables all the time where I am the token black guy at that scorer's table. I, I've sat in NBA press boxes where I'm the token black guy in that press box. What I say that to say is, at the end of the day, the people who makes the decisions on whether he gets the money or not, on whether CC Sabathia gets the money or not, I don't think you can compare a white guy being able to get that money in a predominantly black league when majority of the decision makers are still white to a black guy so making they- that money in a predominantly white league where they are still white. Right. Because it's still a rarity. I think the position is a rarity for for Christian McCaffrey being a white running back. But you and just being say the he's worth paid. what they paid him. I do think he's worth what they paid him because I've seen him play before. But what I'm saying is there have been several other black running backs in the NFL that have not been able to get their worth without having to go through some real big-time negotiations and once again, with that's their what organizations. I said. That's depending and it happens the time far more often than not. With a lot of different organizations. You think about Todd Gurley and all he had to go through to get paid. You think about Ezekiel Elliott and all the contra. We always hear about Ezekiel Elliott on ESPN not being able to get paid. Well, you we think about Le'Veon the, Bell. For one, we always knew how the Cowboys is. You period. think about Le'Veon Bell, who didn't end up getting paid from the Steelers, had to go to the Jets to hey, get paid. To each his you own. think about Melvin Ingram, who's had mad contract well, negotiations. Again, it's like but it's because I'm, the NFL got a lot why, of black uh, running backs. But why all 
all of a sudden when it's a white running back who's skilled he, he enough to do this. He's in the right this, place at the right time. I don't That's know. That's what I think. I, I think it I was think easier for them to hand over the money to him. Maybe. maybe cool. Because That's how even, life is. That's because, how the world because is. Because you think about, even thinking about this particular franchise, let's narrow it down to Carolina, Dang. and how much Cam Newton had to go through to be able to get the money and the contract that he ended up getting. And that's at the quarterback it's, position. It's, it's and he's a black guy. I'm not saying I playing agree with position. it, but this is, I mean, that's, man. Like, I mean, maybe maybe they was happier giving Christian McCaffrey the money. Who knows? But he's worth the money he got paid. Yeah. And it just so happens he was in an organization that was ready and willing to hand over what he was worth. For some, it's been a struggle. And but obviously, it's issue. going to be more led toward black people because it's more black running backs that are dominant in the league. But you right also now. have to remember, but he's a, not. He's but, but, prolific, but, but, right? but you have to remember, it's the position we're talking about. This has been a conversation that we've been having for a long time, and we could even look at our own friend C.J. Anderson for a long time, where it's been really, really hard to get paid playing that position. Right. That's where I think the conversation is different from is he good enough or worth the money that he got paid, but we're also talking about a position that has been getting drastically underpaid for the last decade or so. So now all of a sudden, when we get a, a dynamite but white running the, back, is he the best running back in the league? He's uh, he's up there. Is I, I want I mean I want if you would say somebody was better, who would you say? It's probably I would take McCaffrey over any other running back, especially from a fantasy perspective. And that's what but I'm I've saying. already it's hard said. To agree but with. I've already said he's worth the money, right? So, I know, so, I know that. So I don't want it to be taken as me but, thinking he but, shouldn't have but gotten. That's what I, but, but what my I'm whole saying point is, is that I'm it's trying mighty to explain. funny no, 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 that no, no, we've no. had. For the last decade, it's been a black be, running back that's look, been the best in the league, and all of them have had mad struggles to be able to get paid their worth. That's all I'm saying. Now, I think that you know argument would be a lot more valid if he wasn't the best running back in the league. And but you, Hold on. You just said it yourself. You just said he's probably the best running back in the league. I'm sure me and all the listeners out there who know football would agree. If he was third, fourth, fifth, and then got paid that kind of money, I think you got a very strong Let's argument. See, but I and think that's why I say what my t- argument is. No, I, know I, think what you're, you're, I, I think what you're misunderstanding you said your is, argument is it's I mighty funny that a white named, running back didn't have the struggle to I get paid. I literally just named the best running backs in the argument. league for the last five to ten years. I know your argument. All, all of had them to deal with had to deal with those right. contract negotiations right. in the NFL. And I can't necessarily say that I trust that the NFL did this strictly out of him being the best running back rather than, or when I say the NFL, I say the Carolina Ty, Panthers. Ty Gurley has been injury-driven for the last three years. But before that, he got he struggled to get paid. McCaffrey, How do this, we know? That's what I'm saying. We don't know everything about... He could have, this could have been an ongoing injury, but I'm saying he could have been dealing with this way but before. But I named Todd Gurley, I named Le'Veon Bell, Le'Veon. I named Melvin Ingram. I've been, I, 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 the list goes on. This isn't just a Todd Gurley well, situation. Melvin Ingram ain't the never been the best on. in the league. Do you not remember what Melvin Ingram was doing I, I, in San Diego? I, I, I know what he was doing. No, with you, obviously River. you don't. But I'm saying, bro, Melvin Christian Ingram, was, he was easily a top five running back. Ezekiel Elliott, a young running back, hasn't showed a bunch of. We're talking about the best in the league, bro. Yeah, number one. Christian McCaff, what I'm saying is I named several dudes that have all been in the conversation of being the best in the league. Several of them. I just named you five. Gordon. So you think it's a black and white thing? 
I think I, I wouldn't put, put it out there. I wouldn't you think put it's it, a black and white thing. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. No, it's not that I think it's a black and white thing because think, I don't yeah, know. I'm missing your point. I don't know if it's a black and white thing, but I'm not going to give the the Panthers the benefit of the doubt that he received this contract with no challenge without them having some kind of pride in the fact that he was a white running back. That's all. I'm not going to give them the benefit of the doubt because he was the best running back to say that they probably didn't really challenge him much because okay, so he's a white so running let's back. Take it a D- so what's, what, what is the problem then? We're having this conversation to say what? That the that, that Panthers are, you're not giving them the benefit of the doubt, meaning they're wrong? No. I've, I've never said they were that, wrong. That's why I'm trying to understand before. what this kind of, what's what, the ultimate. What I'm saying is, you know, we're in a unique time period where the best running back in the league happens to be white. Right. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Carolina Panthers in the in behind the scenes are extremely happy that the best running back in the league happens to be white. And my evidence to back up that argument is the best running back in the leagues, which have been primarily black within the last decade, have all had to go through some shitty ass times to be able to receive the money if they ever even got the money at, at all from a plethora of these organizations. I could see if it was just Todd Gurley who had a, 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 conf, a, a contract conflict with an organization. But I just told you, Todd Gurley, Melvin Ingram. Ezekiel Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, C.J. Anderson. We've had conversations of I can name running backs on and on and on because the position has really struggled. But I hate to say it, but we know paid. that this is life in all in every way that you do it. So I'm asking you once again: Is the ultimate goal that like is the point that this is an unfair? Unjust league is yeah, that more, it, it can that's be what I'm, okay. That's it what can I'm asking. Be. I'm but, trying to but, see but, what we're getting. But out I don't of have the but I don't have the that. hard proof of that. But I'm willing to have the conversation and use the evidence that I just said, naming mm-hmm. all of those running backs that have been the best Further in the league at some point. That, that have it's been the best in the league at some point. That all right. him being a white running back, I wouldn't be surprised if. The guys in the in the executives for these organizations, in this particular case, the executives for the Carolina Panthers, weren't willing to throw the money at him with no particular issue because not only is he the best and they can hide behind the fact that he is the best, he's white. Mm. But instead of them publicly making it known that he's a white running back and we're very glad to pay him because he's a white running back, that's as good as he is. We're going to just solely hide behind the fact that this is a highly skilled dude, so he deserved the money, and we gave it to him. But we've seen a lot of other running backs within the last decade that deserved a lot of money that it was a lot harder for them to get that money than it was for Christian McCaffrey. That's all I'm saying. It was a lot harder. It's right. a lot harder, and it's a lot of them. <laughs> if it was just one guy that I was comparing to Christian McCaffrey, that would be one thing. But it's a lot of running backs that have been considered. Le'Veon Bell's been considered the best in the league. Gurley's been considered best in the league. Ingram, you can make a case for him being the best in the league. Ezekiel Elliott has been considered the best in the league. All of these guys have, and they all have genuinely struggled to get paid what they were worth. Calf McCaffrey... He kind of slid right by pretty easily without having to struggle. I'm glad he got paid. I think he's worth the money. But the fact that he didn't have to face what they had to face to get paid what he's actually worth, I would I would question 
if there wasn't right, some. We don't uh, have to agree to white disagree. I think, it's a, I think it's a reach. I think it's a reach. <laughs> I don't think but, so. Right. I don't think so. That's why we um, had this podcast. Taking L's. Who you got for taking L's this week? Man, uh, I'm a subdivided. The world in general, for one, I'm talking about down to the NBA community. And why I say the world is just because, obviously, with the NBA being a platform of what it is, it's obviously more, you know, more added backing of the realness and the severity of this. And we all know, overall, when I say the world, I'm talking about this whole COVID-19 pandemic and what everybody is dealing with from companies down to families down to corporate you know small businesses uh to you name it it's affecting a bunch of things but down to we also know that this whole pandemic has affected the sports world we know how much the sports means to the world nba playoffs nfl playoffs and super bowl the world series all of these things matter so much to the overall population and so um the take and nail really goes to the entire NBA community, especially the family of Carl Anthony Towns. And if you don't know Carl Anthony Towns, you don't watch basketball. Period. Oh yeah, he's an all-star. He's an all-star. He's an all-star. I mean, he's cat. a perennial cat, yeah. And um his his mother just recently passed away due to the COVID nineteen virus and his mother and father both had it. And the father beat it and the mother just kept having complications and Carl Anthony Towns I believe two weeks ago because she's had an ongoing battle with this now for a little bit but uh about two weeks ago maybe a little less posted about his personal experience watching his mom's breathing deteriorate and the ups and downs where one day is good and another day is bad and people trying to figure out a combination of medicines that work just the complete uncertainty and the up and down of this whole thing it was very very real you could feel the emotion i think he broke down a little bit he he kept it together but he definitely fought back tears at least twice in the video and then um you know, also speaking of his donation and his contribution and how he was going to help. And lastly, the fact that he said, we're going to beat this. We're going to get through this together. In the seed, just a short time after that, his mom didn't make it. Yeah. You know, from this, I thought that that was a huge loss. And that's why I said to the world, for one, because um, I've heard nothing but good about you know, her and their, their whole road to success, you mm-hmm. know, and just the the the... the relationship the closeness that cat had with his mom as you would expect and as was showed many times through cat's nba career so far um and then to the nba community because like i said with this whole pandemic at the beginning i thought certain things were being overreacted to Mm -hmm. when i hear about the nba being suspended then you then you start hearing about players having it then you're like okay maybe this is is real and maybe this is a smart decision and now you hear about the direct connection when we're talking about losing loved ones yeah you know in the nba community now you're thinking like hmm maybe the rush that i want for this to get back or maybe this yeah. season i wanted to get finished isn't really important as yeah. our personal selfishness to wanting this entertainment on tv or to be able to go live or whatever the case we remember uh, a, a year ago, damn near to the date, we performing and enjoying this nice weather and in yeah. in the atmosphere it is. I attended a game and everything, and right. so to to know that from a selfish standpoint, we miss that and we want that now. 
the realities of these things make make it all make sense and why it, it's really no rush and it's a bigger picture. Yeah, man. I mean, I you know, since the start of this thing, I said and I knew that this the uncertainty of what could come from all of this was far too great, being that this is a public health crisis for the NBA to even try to finish out the remainder of this league. Um, I said from day one, they need to just cancel the entire season, mm -hmm. call it a wash mm. because the public health crisis is far greater and too unpredictable for us to try to keep people in limbo because we selfishly want basketball to be back. And it's been done in 93 or 94 with the MLB. I think 94, they didn't finish the season for a strike or something. Yeah, so yeah, it could happen. Yeah, you can, you can, you can, you can block out some things of that yeah. sort. But, but, and that's why I've also criticized the Olympics because because the Olympics took, you did in my opinion, him. too long that. to make the decision to postpone the 2020 Olympics at least back another year, or if just suspend, I mean, or if just cancel the 2020 Olympics at all, because this is a global public health crisis. This isn't a national public health crisis. This has been a global issue, and with the Olympics being a, a global entity, because you have athletes from every different part of the world that come to compete in your games, they should have been ahead of the NBA and, and even deciding to suspend a season, cancel mm -hmm. a season, anything mm -hmm. to that extent. Obviously, with the NBA, their hands were sort of forced because of the Rudy Gobert situation, but it's like, yo, the Olympics should have been ahead of the curve because this pandemic didn't start in America. And with that being said, the Olympics should have had their finger on the pulse of the places that have already dealt with this public health crisis before it actually got here. So I, I, I just think, man, the season, I yeah. still stand on the fact that I think the season should it's, just it's, be canceled. And I think, like I Call said, it this a is just further validation. <laughs> this is like, because we don't know what's and to come next. Even, it's still unpredictable. Even in the love that's being shown to him around the um, around the league, tweets from Steph Curry, tweets from one of our friends, Juan Toscano-Anderson, um, Rudy Gay, uh, Zach Levine, Vince Carter, if I didn't mention him, it's just, it's so much emotion even in the tweets. It's like, Damn, man. Like, yeah. No other words. I'm so sorry. It's like you really feel the the true emotion. You know what I mean? And so I think even on the individual basis, you got to think about the hit that the NBA world took with Kobe Bryant just in January and the amount of how long that, you know, that's an ongoing grieving process. Yeah. And then the season getting blocked and this coronavirus and that taking a toll just on a world level and then it happening in the NBA community. It's, it, it's too much right now. And it's That's a bigger why. picture. You feel me? It's time to just shut it down. Shut it down. And, 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 and come back next year and we'll just have to take, you know, you the loss that everybody what, what it, it is. is. It's, but it's not more important it, than a public health crisis. Important. And not. that's why I have a problem with Dana White and what he's been trying to do with the UFC and saying I got islands and I got these pretty much isolated areas where we could start having combat no, fights that, again. It's not that and serious it's like, right now. It's really not that serious, not but that I'm not serious. surprised because it's Dana White and I know what who Dana White is and sort of what he stands for, even going back to the conversation that we were just having in regards to McCaffrey and who the actual execs are and do they really care about um, the public health crisis that's going on or do they just have to care? Because so, are, so do you think all sports are done? That's what I want to know because I, I want to know y'all taking L's too, but I want to know. I believe they should they, all be done. Baseball won't be a baseball, baseball season. Baseball ended. 
ended. Basketball There's ended. There's no sports this year. 2021. Maybe football. We'll see how the summer goes. Like, keep preparing for it. I think football is a little bit I further out. I think football out. got the most chance. I think they got the most chance. And right now, that it could potentially happen. But even still, football, be very, very cautious. Um you know, like I said, in the it's case of the Olympics, that's summer not even 2020. Now that not I'm even, yeah. about it. it's too I think close. it's a wrap. I, I agree that I think it's a wrap, but I think football is in a situation where their decision, not, I can understand their decision not being made just yet. Like I said, the Olympics, the NBA, MLB, call it a wash because we're already in the NBA season. We had just begun the MLB season with the Olympics. Like I said, I think because it's a global crisis, they needed to just take better precaution because they're not a national league. Um, but in the case of the NFL, I think you do what you can to try to prepare yourself that if this thing blows over, that you may be able to have some football games, but would I bet on football, having football games this year? No, but I would understand them preparing more for a up for an upcoming season, more so than many of these other sports entities because they are already in season or just beginning their season or their year around. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think that, you know, this public health crisis needs to come first and it needs to be taken seriously. And I think this Carl Anthony Towns situation, which we could have never predicted when this thing first came about, should really open some eyes of some people and some execs. Um, but I guess to stay on this COVID-19 topic, um, I got to talk about Dak Prescott and uh, what he calls dinner that he had at his house where it was initially reported. I think TMZ reported it, that it was like this 30 people L? there. This is my taking L. Dak Prescott is receiving the L from me today. Okay. Um, it was reported that uh, that he had like 30 people there. He had some kind of a party at his house. Um <laughs> There was a picture with Ezekiel Elliott in the background. It was buffet-style food. I didn't see a server there serving the food. I seen people hovered around the island that he had in the middle of his kitchen or house area with, with pans of food all over the place. And he tried to downplay it by saying it was just a dinner. It wasn't a party. There was social distancing being practiced. There was only 10 people there. It was not more than 10 people there. Um, but where I give him the L is just like I said. The I don't give a damn if it wasn't. Was it, was it, I, I didn't see a picture where there was more than 10 people. But what I did see was a picture where there were several people surrounding the food. Mm-hmm. Not <laughs> if social you're practicing distancing. social distancing, social distancing, have a server there. Have a have a have a, a chef there that will like will go serve the plates and be the only person to touch the food. Rather than these several people standing around the food digging in potluck style. <laughs> That's a problem, Dak. That is a problem. If you, like I said, if you had your maid or if you had your chef there, you might even have a little bit more of a case. I, I still don't think so. Look at that. Look <laughs> at that. At the picture right now. Look at that. They're all surrounding the food. Yeah. It's not not even two feet. Not even <laughs> like I said, and even beyond and just don't the two all live feet. Together. And they don't all live together. And even beyond the two feet, that have a server there. Have your chef serve plates. So everybody's hands are digging into the food, Dak. Yeah, I'm seeing they all using tongs. Come on, yeah. man. Yeah. 
You got tongs being passed around. I mean, it just sucks you we live in a world where you can't. being put back in the I think it's, I think it's exaggerating saying 30 people because it didn't look like it was 30 no, people. No, it didn't at all. all. But that's I why just, I didn't want to focus in yeah, on that. that I, I was just, just saying that's what was reported just initially. Just the fact that, you know, that was what But tongs being passed around and multiple people touching the tongs that are getting put back in each pan that of the food that people are going to eat it's just not a smart thing to do. And this is not all people that live in your household, obviously, because we see Ezekiel Elliott was there. It's just not, uh, it, there's no, there's yeah, no stupid. covering this one up. You made a bad decision, Dak. Mm -hmm. Come out and say, I made a bad decision. I shouldn't have even had the dinner rather than trying to downplay the fact that I had a party of 30 people that was not a party of 30 people. It was more like a dinner of 10 people. We still can find reasons why what we saw should have not been a thing during this pan pandemic and during this public health crisis and why you weren't sensitive enough being a quarterback for America's team to take heed in the fact that we need to be practicing social distancing. We need to be practicing quarantine. We need to be, be practicing what the government is asking of us right now because it's a very necessary thing. Obviously, we just learned that from the cat situation. And so being the figure that he is, he should have just been a lot more aware that I don't even need my name to be caught up in a COVID-19 scam or me doing something illegally during COVID-19 because it's too big of a public health crisis. I got you. Is it, I mean, yeah, he shouldn't have did it, but I don't know. I hate to say it, it ain't a big deal. It is a big deal, but... Yeah, I think the 30 people would have made it a lot bigger deal. 10 people. Absolutely. People, and know, it was like, initially reported yeah, as that. But yeah. but I but I still don't think I still don't like what he had to say in his own defense because I think he still should have took responsibility for the fact that with the picture that we saw, that shouldn't have ever happened. I don't give a damn if it was five people. If it was five people from five different households, each reaching into the food with a tongue. I know we you can know afford that, a chef and a chef. We look at the yeah. picture. I mean, we don't know <laughs> if it was. It could have been a couple people that lived together. That looked like it was it one of their girls. It shouldn't have been anybody. It shouldn't have been any. I, mean, any, I, I get it, it, but Ezekiel was in the picture. D boy, yeah, we I can't. Know. We know they live in two different households. They no, damn I sure know, don't live together. I know that. I know That's that. what really killed this cause. Was that maybe if it was some other people that wasn't on the team, <laughs> Ezekiel was on the team yeah. <laughs> and got caught in in the background of a picture. I just think that that he's got to take an L this week for that, um, and he needs to just accept the responsibility of taking that L <laughs> rather than trying to, do. to downplay that it was only 10 people at the party rather than 30. Um, but, yeah, that's what he needs to do. With that being said, we are going to wrap this one up. Um, give it your all in whatever it is that you do, and we are going to leave you the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and, and go win. win.